Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. As Pastor Chad said, we are closing out our series today. And it is sad for me. Uh, and I'm excited. It's, it's, I've got this both over here going because sad because, man, I don't want this series to stop. Because how many people know if you've really been leaning into the series, it's not about the series. It's about your heart. Gospel neighboring is not a cute little series. That's, that's the prayer anyway. It is the cry of heaven that we would love people like Jesus loves us. So we are not, the, the, the series ends today, but I pray to God that all of us as a church, we don't just move on to the next thing. We're too good at, at moving on and not letting God just continue to do the stuff in us that he wants to do, amen? And so this whole gospel neighboring, what, what do I mean by that if you're, if you're first time today with us or maybe you've been out and about and missed a couple messages, this is what gospel neighboring is. It's truly loving people who are in our proximity, our everyday traffic patterns, Truly loving them like Jesus loves us. Remember this, neighbor equals nearest. Come on, say it with me. Neighbor equals nearest. What, what, what do I mean by that? Well, yes, number one, your neighbor is the person or the people who live around you. Wherever you live, apartment, townhome, a house, wherever, those are your neighbors, yes. But that's not where neighboring stops. Your neighbors are also your co-workers, the people that, that you work with every day. Uh, the people that we see in our daily traffic patterns, the, 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 the guys at the gym, the, the barista at the cafe, the cashier at, at the uh, grocery store, wherever, those are also your neighbors. And then finally, the stranger that God drops in your path on your everyday way. And so all those people are your neighbors. Somebody say, my neighbor. And so I'm, I'm praying that you have been encouraged but more, I'm praying that you have been challenged by the Spirit of God to really, to do our very best. Come on, it starts with me and all of us to do our very best to live this thing, to love people like Jesus loves us. Amen? And again, if you've missed any of the messages, please go back online and watch them. They, they, they were spirit-led the way we put them together months ago, and they all like, have a continuing thought, and we're going to conclude that thought today. Let me just say this real quick as we begin to dive in. We're going to go to Acts 1 in just a moment. Let me make this statement because this is very strong for me to say this. People, somebody say people. People are not projects. I just want to let it sit there for a second. People are not projects. Don't look at your neighbors as a project. It's not, this is not some kind of church program that we do for a few months and then we, we just kind of go back to whatever is normal, whatever you call normal. Uh, the, your coworkers, they are not projects. They're human beings that need Jesus Christ. This community that I've been praying for from day one, this beautiful community that God has placed, this church in this community, this community is not a project. They're people. Behind every door is a person. Behind every person is a story. And we've got to recognize and understand that, that people are not projects. So this is not a program, and people are definitely not projects. They're people with lives and with stories that God wants us to impact for the kingdom. Amen? And that we'd love people like Jesus loves us. And I just want to encourage some people here today. I've, I've, I've heard unbelievable feedback, already incredible stories. I'll share a few throughout this message. 
And uh, I've gotten so many emails and, and Facebook messages, my goodness, of just what God is speaking to you about and how you're wanting to flesh this out at work or in your neighborhood and, and everything else. But I want to just encourage you, don't think of it, I was having a conversation with one gentleman, don't think of it as an extra thing. Gospel neighboring is not an extra thing, it is your thing. It is a lifestyle. It's not something extra. Well, I, I got to do this and then I do that. No, it's just who you are. As you love Jesus, as you live for Jesus, love people well. Love people. I know I keep saying it, but we got to let it get deep inside. Love people the way Jesus loves you. Come on, anybody get a little unlovely at times? Hello. Do not look at your spouse right now. Just do not. Just, just keep eyes forward. We all get a little unlovely. Can I tell you what? Jesus loves us. I'll just put me there. He loves me when I'm unlovely. When, I'm, when I get a bad attitude, he never, his, his love is unfailing, unending. And Jesus is asking us to love people like that. Uh, a, a little funny story that happened to one of my coworkers who's become a dear friend, Mr. Trey Battle. He runs our uh, GE experience, which is called Guest Experience, him and Antoinette, and they're doing just a, a great job. And uh, Trey was telling me this story where, you know, he's, he's trying to do this thing. And, and Trey, like all of us in the room, we're all busy. And he's like, I've just been so busy. I just got to take care of my family and this and that. But I've been hearing these messages and you've been preaching it to me. And, and we're just talking about it. And he said, so I had this neighbor who said, hey, you want to go mountain biking? Well, if you know Trey Battle, he is not a mountain biking dude, all right? And so he's like, all right, this is what this guy does. I'll go mountain biking with him. So he gets his mountain bike tires, I mean, as tight as can be. By the way, that is a no-no with mountain bike tires. They're supposed to have a little, little, little air out of it so it can kind of really stay on the ground. And so Trey doesn't know what he's doing. I can see him in my mind. He didn't say this, but he's got his, that day that he showed up with his friend with his bike with his really tight tires. I can see him in his mountain bike, bike outfit, you know, looking all ready to go. And so they, they head down the trail and the first stump, real big stump that he hits with that tire he just goes Superman right in the sky. That tire hit that stump and he's like, he just, and, and hit a tree right with his shoulder. And yeah, how it is. And he was hurting and is like, all right, my mountain bike days are over. It's done. And, uh, and, and so I, I just want to encourage you, let's not make it too hard. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to do everything. And uh, he's like, I learned a few things. And I was like, well, that's the point. You learned something. And it spoke to your neighbor that you did something with them that they want to do, even though you'll never do it again. So uh, <laughs> gospel neighboring. Somebody say gospel. We got we to gotta understand what this is all about. Jesus. And here's where we're going to dive in today. So people can be here today. Okay. Okay. Chris, you've said it enough. Gospel neighboring, neighboring. I, I get it. I, I got it. Check, check mark. I got it. And then the question in your subconscious comes, but do I have to talk to people? I mean, you know, like talk to them. The answer is yes, we do. And eventually share your story and your faith. To them. And this is where most Christians get numb tongue or lock jaw. They're just like, mm. And so I want to dive into that today. If you're taking notes, the title of my message is 
Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? And I'm so sorry, that was about as white as I could be right there in that moment. I'm not doing that in the 1 p.m., so I'm just not going to do it. So let's pray and bring the Holy Spirit back in the room. So, Lord, thank you that you have a sense of humor. And thank you, Lord, for your people. And thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray now in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, for these people in the room and those who are online, give me fresh oil, Lord, your fresh anointing to deliver your word. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. That word witness, I want to give you the dictionary definition as we turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 6. The dictionary definition is this. It's witnesses having knowledge of an event or change from personal, so I might say personal, from personal observation or experience. And I love these two words on this dictionary meaning of witness, evidence or proof evidence or proof. Think about that as we read these verses here. Acts chapter 1. Are you there? Acts chapter 1. Look down at verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, and this is Jesus' last words before he ascends to the Father, and I realize, you know, we, a lot of us know this passage of Scripture, but let's just see what the Holy Spirit highlights here. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And notice that wording there, kept asking. They were bringing this up in their, in their last minutes with Jesus for a period of time here. And they're, you know what they're thinking? They're thinking Jesus is going to come in and destroy the Roman Empire and set up a new kingdom, the new Zion on earth. And Jesus, I can see him like, because they, they were bothering him with this. He, I could see him like a little, little eye roll. You're like, oh, gosh, they, Father, they're not like us. We don't get it sometimes. And he, said, and he replies to them, the Father alone, verse 7, has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. Then look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my, come on, say it with me. And you will be my, and you will be my, you will be my witnesses telling people, Jesus says, about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, very popular passage of scripture. See, they're wanting to set up the kingdom, their kingdom, get us out of here. Let us be this uh, us four and no more, the new Zion, and destroy the Roman, the evil Romans. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you got it all wrong. I'm sending you out into this Roman world. I'm sending you out. As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. And you need to wait. Somebody say, wait. You need to wait before you go. What's between the wait and the go? The power of the Spirit. You need to wait on the power of the Spirit so he can empower you to be a witness for me. And you're going to tell everybody about me. You're going to tell them with your life and you're going to tell them with your mouth. Preach the gospel with your life and preach the gospel with your mouth. Amen? He says this. I want us to kind of drill down in this uh, passage of Scripture here. He says, you will be, be my witnesses. Somebody say be. He doesn't say do witnessing. He says, you will be 
my witness. A witness is a person, not a program. A witness is not a thing. A witness is a person with a story and an experience. And he says, you will be my witnesses. See, we get caught up in doing, 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 doing. And Jesus never called us to be human doings. He called us to be human beings. And come on, when you find yourself in Jesus and you've experienced Jesus, you want the whole world to know. It beams from your eyes. It beams from your smile. Even when you're down and out, the love of Jesus just oozes out of you because you love Jesus so much. Amen? And so we, we've, we've got to drill down on this. It's about being a witness. Let me put it to you this way if I was to reword the, the, the phrasing here. It's not doing witnessing. It's being a witness. So let's, let's drill down on the definition. I'm taking you on a quick journey. What is a witness? Well, I gave you the definition. Let's look at it biblically. A witness right here on the screen. A witness is someone who communicates. So there's that someone. A witness is a person. A witness is someone who communicates accurately what they have personally. Come on, say these words with me. What they have personally seen, heard, and experienced. So a witness is someone, it's you, you're a someone, I'm a someone, who communicates accurately what we've seen, what we've heard, and what we have experienced. Now let me throw a few things at you from my heart, just for a second as your pastor. You do not have to be a Bible scholar to be a witness. A lot of people are under this impression that you got to know all of the Bible before you can be a witness. If you are a son or a daughter of the king and you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, it could be five minutes, it could be five years, it could be 50 years, you can be a witness for Jesus. You can share with people with your life and with your story, what we call testimony, what Jesus has, what you've seen what you've heard and what you've experienced. So we've got we to get, get away from this. Like you don't have to know all the scriptures. Should you know the scriptures? Yes. You don't have to have all these things memorized. Should you memorize and meditate upon the scriptures? Absolutely. But let's quit making this list of we can't do when actually you're not called to do, you're called to be. You're called to be a witness. Are you hearing me? Let me just, let me throw this, these are just from my journals as we're just, because this is my heart, this is a life message for me, this whole series is. Uh, just a, a few things about this witness. I'm a witness, I'm, you put your name there, I'm going to put the word I, but you put your name there. I'm a witness of Jesus because I know him personally and intimately. I'm a witness of Lisa Frith because I am her husband of 26 years. I've known her for 28 years. I represent her. I am a witness of her. I can tell you all that I've seen in my life with her since she first came on the scene. I said, good Lord Almighty, thank you, Jesus. From the day of just us celebrating our anniversary just a couple weeks back. I'm a, I'm a witness of that. You are a witness of experiences, people, things you, but we're talking about Jesus. I'm a witness. Of, let me say a few more things. I'm a witness of Jesus because I, you put your name there, have experienced his unconditional love. How many people in the room you've experienced his unconditional love? Aren't you thankful for his unconditional love? You're a witness because you've experienced many times. We just did in worship his beautiful, glorious presence in our lives. 
That's a witness. You're a witness of Jesus. I'm a witness of Jesus because, and this is huge to me, because I've seen firsthand tons of people's lives changed over my 30 plus years of knowing Jesus. I'm a witness. You can't, you can argue me all day long. I'm telling you, I've seen people's lives transform starting with mine because of Jesus. I'm a witness of that. You can't take it away from me. It's real. Jesus is saying this to us. As you go, somebody say go. That whole go into the world. As you go into the world, as you go about your life, be my witness. Be, what is he saying there? If you drill down that word, be my representative. Come on, there was, in my generation, we all used, always used, I'm generation X, we always say, represent. Somebody go represent, you know? We'd always say that, represent. Can I tell you what? We are supposed to represent Jesus to a lost and dying world. We're supposed to represent Jesus at our workplace, to be his hands and feet, to share those kind God words with people who are struggling, Christian or non-Christian, to show, somebody say show, to show the love of Jesus through our actions and through our mouth. You know, this, this thing about showing, this prayer has come from me a lot about representation and, and showing people. And here's my question. I wonder as a church, how are we representing the king in our everyday lives? I'm not talking about in here. How are we representing Jesus out there? I'll give you a few examples. On social media, how are we doing with that? Not, not so good. Christians are, you know, maybe not you, but we all represent the church. Christians are not known well on social media circles. We're, we're known as putting people down, arguing with people and all kinds of stuff, letting our point be known very much so. How are we representing in that? Let me ask you another question. How are we representing Jesus on I-85? <laughs> on right up here on Tequila or, Al or Auburn Road. Let me tell you, the other day, Lisa and I were the red light. This just happened this past week. It scared me to death. I, we, we just pulled up. We're just, we were going to a coffee, a coffee appointment with some friends and just uh, pulled up at the red light like you and I do. And all this, I'm just talking to her. And all of a sudden, I mean, I almost jumped out of my chair. Thank God for the seatbelt. The horn from hell came behind us. And I was at the red light like, What? in the world. And Lisa's like, oh my goodness. You know, I could just, that Southern Texan. And, and this woman drives up at, at, with her minivan. I was like, maybe you shouldn't honk that loud with that minivan. But, but anyway, she pulls right up and I was scared to look over at her. I didn't know what I was going to see or experience. And so I was just like, head, 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 look, just keep your eyes that way, honey. And I mean, she is mad and she's pointing at somebody that's taking a right over there and she's going in just, I mean, ooh, she's angry. And then when it turns green, I'm like, I'm not gonna go first. I'm gonna let, she needs to go wherever she's going. And she takes off and there's a big Jesus fish sticker on the back of her minivan. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, she was laying it out there, the horn of words, I thought she was doing karate in the air the way. <laughs> Not representing well. Now look, we all have bad days. And let me just tell you, if you're having a really bad day, take an Uber. Don't drive that day. I'll just, that's my advice to anybody here. 
take an Uber, let him or her be real calm and you just like in the back, you know, let it out, something. But, but how are we representing our king? Look, I'm, I'm the first to tell you, I am flawed as your pastor. I'm, I'm just a man. I'm flawed. I sin. I make it right with God and, and whoever I sin against. Uh, I'm imperfect. I have to deal with my attitude sometimes. I'm just being real with you guys. And, um, but can I tell you what? Among all my flaws, God can still use me. God can still use you. You don't have to have it all together. Actually, you not having together speaks to people more than you acting like you got it all together. Let me just say this to you. Let your life, somebody say my life, let your life become a living message of the gospel of Jesus. William Tom said this. I heard this when I was a kid, this quote. He says this, be careful how you live. You will be the only Bible some people ever read. Notice I'm focusing on your life before I'm talking about your words. Because you got to preach the gospel with your life and then your words. Be careful how you live. You'll be the only Bible some people will ever read. Don't hear perfection. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. But a life that is moving forward with God. Just becoming more like Jesus. Amen? We can't do this on our own, church. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why if we look at Acts 1, he was telling his boys, you got to wait for the power of the Spirit, then go. You need the baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit, then go. He will help you. He will empower you to be a mighty witness. So I want to just tell you, I, I'll just give this to you. You can take it or leave it. I am constantly talking to the Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me in this situation. Help me get to know my neighbors. Give me, this is a prayer we were talking about the day over dinner. Give me the keys to my neighbor's hearts. I encourage you to, to memorize that prayer. And I'm telling you, you watch what God will do. He will set you up because it is his heart to reach people who are far from him. Ask him for the keys. I've, when we first got here, the first thing I did was I drove through this community, all this community. I mean, I went all over the place. I went all as far as Sugar Hill and I went up, went all as far as I could find in Buford and, and went up the Flowery Branch. It was just an afternoon for me, coffee and Jesus. And I was just praying, God, give us the keys to this community. Give us the keys, God, and we'll be faithful with what you give us. Neighbors, our communities, they're not projects, they're people who need Jesus. Amen. And here's the prayer. Somebody say prayer. Here's the prayer. When people encounter us, Here's the prayer, as flawed as I am, this is my prayer from my own journal. God, when people encounter me wherever, may they experience Jesus. Wherever you're at, we gotta slow down. We gotta slow our roll and think about where we're at. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's all about Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, it's no longer about us. It's all about him and his kingdom. So wherever you're at, Right there. Represent well. Amen? And we can do it with the help of the Holy Spirit, but we can't do it on our own. And that brings me to this quote right here. Claire Colvin says this. <clears throat> Good quote. <clears throat> on our own, we'd be terrible representatives of Christ. But we, when we entrust ourselves to God moment by moment, Repenting when we mess up and returning to what God would have us do in his strength, my capitalization there, in his strength, our lives can be a powerful witness. Amen? 
we got to understand this. People are watching us. People are watching you. You know, we've, we've joked and laughed about the window blind neighbors, how we can be window blind neighbors. Can I tell you, your neighbors are doing the same thing to you. They're watching you. And if they find out that you go to church or they find out you're a Christian, you're going to come under scrutiny. And that's okay. By the grace of God, let them see Jesus through us. Amen? Through our lives. I'm going to say it again. Off the notes here. We should be the most friendliest, passionate, God-loving people on the planet as Christians. Wherever you're at, your street, your place, you should be the kindest. Man, everybody should want to know you because of the Jesus in you. It's not about you, but they want to know you. Man, that guy, I got to get to know this guy at work because there's just something about him. Well, that something is Jesus. Amen? We got to prayerfully, as we live our lives, we can put Jesus on full display, front and center, that people would see Jesus through our lives because we're being watched. You remember that song? I always feel like somebody's watching me. And then the line says, ain't got no privacy. Somebody's like, did that just happen? Like, yes, it did. People are always watching you. And can I tell you, this is kind of coming to me now, and it's not on my notes, but it was for 9 a.m., and it's for all of us today. I think the Holy Spirit is really highlighting this, is when they're watching you and you mess up, apologize. No one apologizes anymore. Apologize. If we break it, if we mess it up, if we screw it up, apologize. Repent to them. I'm telling you, that will speak to people. It removes the church face. And they're able to see real people who live real lives, who make mistakes. And them hearing that from you will radically speak to your life because people are watching you. I want to tell you about a group of people that were watching us before I give you, before we close out with three things I want to give you how to become a witness. Back in 2016, God called our family. You know the story. I'm going to write a book about it one day. God called our family to Omaha, Nebraska to lead a church across from the most violent public high school in that city. And I'm not going to be able to give you the full story. I wish I could. One day, when it's a one-off message, maybe I will, because I've had so many people ask me about it. Interesting enough, I had a principal in 9 a.m. service who came to me, very moved, and she was like, I need to have coffee with you and your wife. So you'll know why when I hear this, if you haven't heard part of the story. So there's an old saying about youth pastors. For those that don't know, Lisa and I did youth ministry for over 20 years. Once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. And so on day one, on day one, I walked across the street after I had my first staff meeting. And I, I, I asked if I could meet the principal for five minutes just to introduce myself. I mean, they're right there. I could have threw a rock at it. And, uh, and I went in and that five minutes became one hour. And by the end of that hour, we were both weeping together over the school. It was a God thing. He had been praying. I did not know this, but he had been praying for years for someone to bridge between a public school and a local church. And he just was overcome with emotion. It wasn't about Chris. It was just someone going across the street saying, hey, you guys, how are y'all doing? I'm... And this school was neglected, not because of the principal and their staff, beautiful staff, but it was one of the poorer schools. And so they didn't get all the money and they just got budget cut after budget cut after budget cut. You know the drill, you know the story. 
And this, our church and our school was right in the middle of the city, which was, if you went to the right, you went more in the inner city. If you went to the left, you started going more into the community. And so we were placed there by God, and it was amazing. And so we, we started asking questions. First thing we started doing, actually, was we started praying for the school every day. That's how, that's how it starts, people. Pray for the people in your proximity. And, you know, that, that school, I didn't look at the school as a project. I looked at that school as, hey, that's our neighbor's. And there was, a, there was a language I found from the community and from the church. They called it that school. And so I changed that language in our church. I said, we're going to call it our school. That's our school. I don't want to hear that school anymore. We should not be thinking that way or talking that way. That, that is our school, and they're our neighbors, and we need to serve them. Because when you serve people, you look like Jesus. And so we can't talk about Jesus in public school. We can't even say a prayer. I can't jump on the cafeteria table and say, repent. I wouldn't do that anyway. But I can't, can't do that. And so we just went in and what we could do, serve. And we found out very quickly that because of the, um, the, the financial status of the student body, most students didn't have book bags. So we, the church bought tons of book bags and blessed them with book bags. Then we found out their food bank, because a lot of kids were not getting three meals a day. We found out their food bank was always running out. So we replenished their food bank every week. Every need I could hear, I was like, we'll do it. We'll do it. Because you know why? Because our neighbors are our responsibility. Our street is my responsibility. They were on my street. And it wasn't where I lived, but it was where I worked, and that was our community, and those were my people, even though I didn't know them. And so I started uh, one day a week because their cafeteria staff, they could never keep enough. They were overwhelmed, students everywhere, violence happening everywhere. And literally, I said, what do you need? They said, we need help in the cafeteria so bad. So guys, if you know me, I had my whole cafeteria get up, the plastic on my hands, and man, I was be serving the pizza and then cleaning the tables. And then we found out that they needed help every day. So we got our whole staff Monday through Friday during that two-hour lunch blocks. And I mean, we were just getting them in and getting them out and getting them food. But what they didn't know, those students, is every time I gave them a fist bump, I was praying in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I was like, get them, Jesus. <laughs> Love on them. And so to make a long story short, we, the, the staff, the faculty, they were so beat down. Their heads were down. They were angry because they felt neglected and rightfully so. And we saw over three and a half years to the glory of God, we saw a faculty and staff like literally become light. We saw, we saw unbelievable. And, and I want to say this. We never, for the first year I told my staff, do not invite them ever to church our first year. Don't invite them. They're like, What? Has Pastor lost his mind? I said, we cannot love them with a hook. We don't want to love them because we want you to come to our church. Let's love them like Jesus loves us. He's got no hooks. And when we got it as a staff, we're like, oh, we're just going to love him. We're not looking for anything. That's right. No applause, no recognition, nothing. Just like Jesus. And so literally about a year in, Teacher started coming to different staff members, coming to me. Hey, uh, Pastor, can I, can I walk with you on your way out? Sure. Why are y'all doing this? What, what do you mean? What do you, I mean, what, what are, what are, why are you doing this? Man, we're just, we're just here to serve you guys. We're, we're here to help. I, di I, didn't, I didn't give them the four spiritual laws. <laughs> well, do you know the book of Jeremiah? 
So, um, had, had many a teachers toward the end with different staff members, me and Lise. Can I, could you pray for me? I would love to pray for you. Church, I want to tell you, the last day, unfortunately, things didn't work out at that church. And the last day was not the day at the church, it was at school. And I went across the street, and everybody filled this cafeteria. School was already over. And uh, man, I'm feeling the emotion now thinking about it, but I was so emotional because everything changed. I mean, everything. We saw school in three and a half years literally change. We saw violence go down. We saw staff members get positive about what they were doing again. We saw needs being met. We saw literally a football team change before our eyes. I mean, just I could go on and go on all to the glory of Jesus. And on that last day when I said goodbye to them, I mean, there was such a long line of people thanking us. We weren't looking for that. And they gave me, again, all to the glory of God, they gave us this huge standing ovation. And I was just so overcome, I just began weeping, and I I wept all the way to my car. The principal was just holding me and just walked out with me. We talked this week on the phone because I told him I was going to tell you all the story. And and he's like, thank you's not enough. Y'all made a difference. You made a difference. And, and he said, Chris, I've only seen this faculty stand up for one other person. He said that was when the governor came. And he said the reason they stood up and were going crazy is because you touched their hearts. But it's not me, church. Can I tell you what? All of us can make a difference. It might take time. It didn't happen overnight. It might take time. But you can make a difference, and it all starts in a place of prayer. My brother Aaron Williams, he has uh, Gen 50 out of that scripture from uh, Genesis 50. And literally, he is making a difference in his team uh, right there in Mill Creek. And we are going to be leaning into the schools. Guys, there's 54,000 students in Gwinnett County. How many families does that represent? I don't even have time to tell you uh, of the schools of Buford, Decula, Mill Creek, and Mountain View. Thousands, not even counting the the private schools and middle schools. And they all represent people. Amen? I want to give you three things, and I'm going to move quick. Three things, how to become a witness. And if you haven't taken notes at all, I encourage you to take notes on these three. How do I become a witness? Number one, and this is a huge one. Let's just decapitate this thing right now. That fear of man. We got to be set free from the fear of man. Be set free from the fear of man. At some point, our love for God, listen to this, our love for God and for people means that we have to open up our mouths and talk about Jesus. At some point, you pray, you serve, you take them groceries, you do everything you can do. But at some point of being a witness, it goes from preaching with your life to preaching with your mouth. But you're not preaching at them, you're sharing. You're sharing your life and Jesus with them. And what is it that stops us from talking to our coworkers or our neighbors or whoever they are about Jesus? It's fear. Specifically, fear of man, fear of being rejected. Well, what are they going to think about me? 
What, what, what if they don't like me anymore? What if they stop talking to me? We get caught up in the what ifs. Anybody been there? I have been there. All right, three of us. Good, good, good. Um, but, but let me just say this to you. Fear is a demonic spirit. It's a liar. And what fear tries to do, yes, it can become a choice in your life, but it starts from the pit of hell as a demonic spirit meant to, and it's assigned to all of us to stop you from stepping out and obeying God, to keep you in your comfort zone. Oh, I'll, I'll just wave to them. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk to them. I, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, hand out the door hangers, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I just can't talk to people. I had a gentleman, uh, I heard this this week, who reached out to me that he'd been in the ministry for 40 years and he heard the message that I preached at Norcross week one of this series and he was so convicted. He was in the ministry. He was a pastor for 40 years and he was so convicted by the Holy Spirit that he did not know the names of his neighbors the next day. He said, I'm insecure. I don't like talking to people. I'd rather be in my home, uh, you know, but he stepped out of his comfort zone and he got all the names of his neighbors that surrounded his house. He, you know, the way you conquer fear of man, you obey, you step out and the fear will begin to melt off you. Hey, you can rebuke fear of man off you all day long, but eventually you got to rebuke it and then step out and do something. The, I love this quote here. From John Bloom, he says this, the fear of man, look at this, the fear of man can immobilize us when we should take action and gag us into silence when we should speak. Ooh, leave that up there. The fear of man can immobilize us. Somebody say immobilize. That, that spirit, if you allow it, someone said the only power that the enemy has in our lives is the permission we give him. The fear of man will immobilize us when we should take action and gag us into silence when we should speak. And we're thinking like, somebody needs to do something. And that someone is you and me. We gotta be set free. And here, Proverbs 29, 25 says, says this, fearing people is a, come on, say it with me, is a dangerous trap. But I love this, but trusting the Lord means safety. God's got your back, church. When you step out, and you step out for him and you obey him, he's got your back. He's got you covered. And yes, you'll be nervous at first, but I'm telling you, as you do it more and more and talk to people, God will literally just, the fear and the nervousness will just fall off you. We gotta trust and obey and know that God has our back. The people in your proximity need you. And let me just say this for anybody here. If, if they reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. But don't do this. Fine. If you don't want it, fine. Don't, don't wipe them off. God never wiped you off. He never gave up on you. Keep loving. Keep loving. Keep loving people. Amen? Number two. So number one, get rid of that fear of man. Number two, redefine the win. Number two, redefine the win. How do I become a witness? Redefine the win. Listen, I love the swing for the fences mentality that many people have. You're just swinging for the fences. That's good. It means you're a hard worker. You're just going to go for it. You're going to give your all. You're going to give your best. But that type of attitude can actually sabotage us when it comes to witnessing. Because we think every time we witness that they should immediately become a Christian. 
The first time, like the angels are going to sing in the background, a beam of light is on you and them, and they're going to pray immediately that prayer. It doesn't always happen like that. Praise God for those special moments. But the, the fact of the matter is sometimes it takes a little bit before someone responds and gives their heart to Jesus. The, the stats tell us that sometimes a person has to hear the gospel six or seven times before they actually respond to Christ. Now, if that's true or not, I do know for many of us, including me, sometimes it just takes a time to chisel away that stone away from our hearts. So you love people, you love people, and you watch God melt those stony hearts. Here's the question. What number could you be in the process? What number could you be? You might be seven. You might be the first one to start it. You never know. Look at the scripture right here. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, I, Paul, planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. So let's redefine the wind. The first thing would be get to know your neighbor. The second thing, maybe mow their yard, take them groceries, open your home for a football game or a barbecue. I could go on and go on, pray for them when God opens an opportunity. Hey, can I pray for you? By the way, most people will never turn that off. They will usually say yes to you. Even the hardest person I've seen, like, yeah, man, pray for me. Or people like a lot of times, please, please pray for me. And so redefine the win. Number one, get rid of the fear of man. Number two, redefine the win. And number three, share your story. Share your story. Share, share my story. Let's make it personal. Share my story. Remember, a witness is a person and every person has a story. Church, listen to me. Your story, though it is not over, is beautiful. Trey, come on up. Your story is beautiful. And it's special, and it's personal, and it's your story, just like I have a story. And you don't realize how your story can impact the lives of other people. Even your pain. Yesterday, Trey accompanied me to an event where I spoke to a group of men, uh, and it wasn't a victory, it was just another event I had the honor to speak at. And he shared something in our car as we were praying on the way. And I was like, dude you got to share this with the church about sharing your story, specifically when it comes to pain. Yeah, so like you said, he asked me to share this with you guys. And <clears throat> yesterday as we were on the way to this, this event, um, we, we were praying, praying for the hearts and praying for the decisions uh, that would be made in that room. And it was a room full of strangers. And I, I got this vision uh, of a bandage. And it may have been because I had just gotten in a fight with a tree, and the tree won. But um, I got this vision of a, oh, oh okay, sorry, sorry, be gentle, sorry, sorry, be sorry. And so he began to, to replay my, my children. Um, and, and if they were ever hurt, uh, I would say, baby, let me, let me see it. And they would shield it from me. No, don't touch it. And because they were, they were afraid of more hurt, more harm, more pain, right, more discomfort. And he revealed to me that, Trey, what bandages are you holding on to? Like, well, what bandage are, have, you, have you covered? Like, you tried to self-medicate. You tried to self-help. You tried to self-heal. I want you to remove those. Mm. 
and allow me to come in and heal those come things. Come on, yes. Right? Because you can't treat it unless it's exposed. So expose those things to me. Open your heart to me so I can come in and give you real healing. And what if, guys, what if, as a neighbor, we share those healing stories? Come on. We share where we were hurt yeah. and how God healed those things. Yes. What if that testimony is a witness to someone else's healing? Yeah. So those stories, don't hold on to them. Yeah. Be a witness and let that testimony cause healing for someone else. Amen. Thank you, Trey. We're about to go into a time of worship, and I want you just to, to lean in these last few moments. You, ever, you know, the, the word says in, in Colossians that he comforts us so that we can comfort others. Your story has significance. And your story is not just your story. We were never meant to keep our salvation to ourselves. Our salvation story needs to be shared. They'll know us by our testimony, by our story. You're like, but Pastor Chris, they're non-Christians. They can't relate. They can relate with your story because it's real. You ever been talking with someone and they start, they start talking to you about what they're going through and you're like, oh my gosh, I went through that two years ago. That is the Holy Spirit saying, get ready to share your story because it's gonna help them. I'll close out with this verse. You know it well. It's from Romans. Look on the screen here. Romans 10, 13 through 15, he says this. This is Paul. He said, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save him? save them unless they believe in him and how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him and how can they hear about him come on unless someone say it with me tells them and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent that is why the scriptures say blessed or another translation how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Amen. Church, uh, our team is going to sing a song that I was just, and not just sing a song, they're going to minister to us for a moment. I was just introduced to this song on Tuesday and I was overcome with emotion in my heart when I heard this song. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. But please don't just observe. Take it in. The words will be on the screen. Let the words become alive in your heart. It's a prayer. It's called Send Me. And Pastor Jeremy at the very end will have us all stand together and I'll close this out in prayer. Take all this in as they worship the Lord together.